I don't necessarily believe in, in saying we should gamify everything, but this enjoyment of participation based on interest and like how individuals can find themselves in communities and find friends this way, like how I'm running a piece about this with my friend LDF. We fully met this way for like a year. We've been doing our own little internet journeys, but constantly we keep running into each other in like extremely little group chats, like group chats that are just starting out with like supporting a few other founders. It's like 20 people and we keep running into each other in all different places. And you get a lot of context on on the people that you keep running into because you care about the same things apparently and have very similar social networks. And maybe there's something more to explore there. And that's what happened with us too. But I think that part of the internet is just truly beautiful. And I want to help people and, and kind of um, inspire people to do that more and discover more like true connections this way. Welcome to UFO a podcast where artists, musicians, and Web3 builders talk about the future, a place for revolutionary ideas. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. On today's show, Raker. She's a co-founder at Guild, the ultimate tool for platformless memberships and quests for internet communities. Raker writes about communities and DAOs through outlets like Forefront. She has just dropped a new series on Mirror, Chaos is a Public Good co-written with her friend LDF from Disco. You can find those articles in the show notes. I've been a fan of Guild for quite some time. They're helping to drive the Web3 space forwards with tools which allow DAOs to evolve beyond financialized token communities as the only available option for managing access and participation in projects. If this is all new to you, imagine this. You want to join an online community and to do this, you need to buy, claim, or perhaps even earn a membership NFT. Once you have your NFT, that community can use Guild so new members can verify that you hold the access NFT in your wallet. And that's it. You are verified and welcomed into the community. Projects can also use Guild to designate community roles, perhaps for core team, contributors, or for early members. And what's exciting about Guild these days is that it's not just about NFTs and tokens. You can designate access to group chats across platforms, perhaps on Telegram or Discord, and do this via requirement for members to add a certain phrase to their Twitter bio, such as JokeDAO Maxi. Or you could allow access to members of an NFT project like Lil Nouns or a community like WabWorld or holders of a Lens profile to join your community. Guild unlocks a range of options that expand the creative possibilities for assembling as a group. It's actually linked to what's happening behind the scenes right now at UFO, as we're preparing to launch our own community. In this episode with Reka, we talk about the origin stories of Guild, how their team came together, what they're focused on building, new integrations with projects such as Space and Raker's interest in joke DAO and joke race. Let's take a moment to thank our sponsors helping to put UFO on the air. UFO is a podcast that brings together the brightest builders, creators, and founders shaping the cultural side of Web3. And Zerion is the perfect wallet for these active citizens. Zerion combines every corner of Web3 in a simple and intuitive app for self-custodial humans. Discover the hottest NFT collections, track your DeFi rewards, and vote in DAOs across 10 plus chains. You can get started at zerion.io. That's Z E R I O N.io. Lens Protocol is the open source tech stack for building decentralized social media applications. It's a new era for social media in Web3. Lens isn't a social media app. It's a protocol to let Web3 social apps thrive, a permissionless and transparent social graph that is owned by the user. With Lens, your followers go with you to whatever application you want to use, and instead of being trapped inside the walled garden of an algorithm, Lens lets you choose the way that you want to experience your social media. It's the last social media handle you'll ever need to create. And UFO listeners can claim a handle and get started with Lens, and as we've said, right now, the best way to pick up an invite is interacting with UFO on Twitter. 
So follow us, retweet, post replies. There will be invites to join Lens. UFO is available on all Lens apps at ufoclub.lens. Now let's jump in with Reka from Guild, dialing into Hungary, where we join in conversation. Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Reka, um, Guild's home base, and where I'm currently for 20 or not for 24 hours is Hungary. Um, almost the whole team is fully Hungarian, but at least definitely Hungarian speaking. Uh, pretty, pretty niche in Rep3, but it's kind of cool. And then I'll be in Lisbon from tomorrow for quite a while. Yeah, so this is exciting. You told me this that you're you're joining the the growing community uh, that's that's based in Lisbon. I imagine you've got friends and other teams that are that are already there. Yeah, yeah, and I've lived there for two and a half months in the spring as well. So I have like not Web three friends already there, which is insane in this economy. Uh, but yeah, I do have some. There's quite a big community there actually, especially around the East Lisbon hackathon. Uh, events quite a few people stay there for at least a month so it's a pretty good time with so much of you know the crypto and web3 space being remote and and online and global and stuff like that like how is the experience a little different when you can actually be um you know together with people on a regular basis like a conference is one thing and is super valuable for like a week but um you know what's the vibe living in sort of like a, a crypto city in a hub I think it's, well, I wouldn't say it's invaluable, but it's definitely like a very nice addition. And, and like us as well, like we're very fortunate. It, it's kind of hard to keep up the the whole idea of having a core team that's also physically situated almost fully in the same place. At least we can meet up ever so often, even if people are working remotely. But with living in a in a city that's actually like more of a crypto hub and you have more people there, it has its ups and downs. It's very nice for like having actual crypto relationships form that are not solely based on internet access and like the Telegram groups and Twitter threads that we comment on, but like having an IRL perspective of it and like having this deeper context of of the friendship and relationship, it's super nice. Although the other hand, like every major city has kind of that has this digital nomad community, it does have sometimes downsides. And if you don't find your type of people, um, it might be a little frustrating to still like not be able to get away from your work and just continue that outside in your free time. Um but that's like better if you find your type of people because then it doesn't feel like work. You're just jamming on whatever you would be thinking about on your own anyway, which is extremely nice. So if you're fortunate enough like me that you can do that every once in a while, definitely uh, go to a city that has more crypto people and be there for like a month, a year if you can. I highly recommend it. It's super nice. Yeah, the Lisbon thing, um, obviously there's been a bit of a... Uh, a migration from places like Berlin and uh, and London and other places across Europe and even the States. Like there's quite a community that's built up there. And I remember at, like Berlin Blockchain Week a few years ago before the whole world shut down, that there were friends there who were all like, they were all moving to Lisbon at that time. So it seems like a thing that's continued to, to grow over time and attract more people. Um, I'm curious to ask, um, you know, for your own part, what was your kind of, uh, introductions and origins into uh, the Web3 and crypto space? When did you um, start to get um, curious and, and involved? Um, I I would say I've had like a pretty long introductory phase. Uh, I got familiar and like, you know, exposed to crypto in 2016 when I was volunteering in Sweden at this meditation or retreat place. Don't ask, it's it's really long. But the guy that was the host and we became really good friends, he was so into crypto back then. He told me everything about Bitcoin, Ethereum, like where it's going, how it's going to change the world economy and how like politics has an influence on all of that. And he was looking at charts all day when he was bored or, you know, didn't have anything else to do. And I was like, hmm, this sounds mildly like a, a fling, but also super interesting and 
I got so much information about it that I kept on learning afterwards where I left Sweden. Um, And I felt like, well, for quite a long time, I was the only Hungarian person I knew that knew about this. So it felt extremely lonely and niche. So I didn't pay that much attention to it. Uh, During my university years, I started, I figured out how to buy crypto because that wasn't also common knowledge. I didn't really find anything, especially in my country how it's regulated or how I can do that. So it took me like a year and a half to download Coinbase and figure out how I can connect my uh, bank account with it, which was hella long, a very long journey. But then I just kept on investing a little bit, following along news, following along Ethereum, which already grabbed me, grabbed my attention a lot in the beginning. Uh, I mostly mostly paid attention to those um, advancements. And then in 2020, I realized social crypto exists and it evolved more towards community-like things, not just finance. And I was way more excited about it. And in the beginning of 2021, well, actually end of 2020, I don't know, we reconnected with my now co-founder, who was my only other familiar person who were it was into crypto. Uh, we reconnected and we started working together then. So I wasn't alone anymore. And he taught me, he caught me up to speed with all the like DAO stuff because he was very into that since the beginning. He invested in like DAO House, Colony and all the other um, bigger DAO uh, pursuits. Um, so I got really, really fast up to speed in like a month or two. I knew about every other project that was out there and how what were the bigger DAOs? I really deeply got into Forefront, C Club, um, Friends with Benefits, and all the other, like anything that was social, I was holding on to it like dear life. I was like, yes, finally, not just finance. Um, so that was a very deep dive. And that's kind of the intro. And how more on like how the team got together. Um, so my other two co-founders are two brothers, and they grew up coding and very embedded in in internet culture and they already had in the past few years a small dev shop with like two other two two no two or three other developers uh, working with them they did some mev and like liquidity projects and i knew the older brother uh from high school times we were going into different high schools but we were cool kids in town so we knew of each other we were from the same city all of us and yeah he was like like i said the only other hungarian person that was into crypto so i could he was like the only cornerstone or like something to hold on to here in hungary for me and then it kind of so how we reconnected is that he very infrequently but started posting interesting posts about ethereum on linkedin and i was the only one liking them uh, which is funny and we were both like that was the decline of our linkedin eras for both of us um, but we were still there so the social network worked and they were at the time they were also looking for a sort of crypto adjacent but more like very social social oriented person to help them with communications in the dev shop and yeah, they saw me in Forbes magazine with my previous startup and also at the same time liking the Ethereum posts on LinkedIn. And it clicked in my co-founder's brain, Raz's brain, like, oh, she might be exactly what we need. And so we reconnected and we instantly started working together in in January 2021. And the rest of the core team, we mostly hired through recommendations, friends of friends, um, uh, essentially, we we absorb the the we absorb the local hacker space in its entirety. So, yeah, that that kind of came about. We're a bunch of hackers now. We're twenty six, I think, mostly developers still. But uh, that's kind of the team team story. Yeah, I I love that. I like hearing <clears throat> origin stories from from teams and products that are kind of doing really interesting things. And uh, yeah, so wild to hear that like you guys are from the same city and some of you like knew each other at high school and stuff like that. And I, uh, I, I had no idea. It's a very rare thing in Web3, I think. And it also hasn't, it, it has its downsides because for hiring purposes, 
we're obviously more limited. Um, I mean, like sourcing talent is a little bit harder, but also so much easier. And being this local gives us a lot more advantages than disadvantages. And also the the quality of, of, of the hires that we were able to make, like our team is insane. They're so good. And like the their attitude is my favorite thing in the world. And so our culture is kind of top tier, I'd say. So I, everybody just like, likes working here which is super important and we're very passionate about what we're doing which ties us together so I highly recommend I I like remote working we all do it but having some form of physical um like one-to-one interactions and just even like Fridays when we get together and hang out are like super special and and kind of good so when you guys were all you know connecting or when you joined the team and and stuff like that uh and it was like a dev shop and stuff like at what point along the way perhaps as all of these you know social DAOs and the social side of web3 was really uh expanding out as you as you touched on with friends with benefits and forefront and things like this um at what point did um your group decide to go ahead and build uh the product suite um that the guild has has brought through um we kind of had already have the idea of we wanted so we already really wanted to build something in the space but my like when i joined still we were more on the DeFi side of things and yeah like mev projects and stuff like that which well to me they weren't as interesting and also my co-founders also felt like social is going to be really big and DAOs are going to pop off and we need to do something on that front and also kind of um, we saw the problems of how like, yeah, like the social side of crypto is going to pop off and the available technology didn't satisfy the needs that were already present in these very early DAO-y um, structures. And we saw how that's going to grow a lot and that communities will need a lot more and way better technologies to, to be able to flourish and, and deliver this Web3 experience that we all um, dreamt about and and thought about. So, how like to give more like um, tangible examples? How curating communities was extremely financialized and super manual. Um, the available projects and protocols were extremely well. Extremely is like really strong word here, but they're walled gardens, which just means that all your data, everything works really well on that website or that platform or that tool, but it gets locked there and you cannot take it with you later or can't download it and use it anywhere else. So you kind of get locked in there. It's kind of like the Apple ecosystem. That's also a garden. It's really nice in there, but you can't really uh, get out that easily or it's way more comfortable to stay in there. Um, and the, the level of composability was, it's still very, it's infancy. It's just getting better. And these are all, contributed to the fact that community moderation and management is like super modular and and manual for community moderators it's a lot of workload and engaging rewarding is still like not very easy to do and do well and not very safe either from farmers and everything so that was kind of an inspiration as for us as well, participating in these communities. And on another note, we when we started formulating how like the core problems all come back to access management, looking at like Web2 solutions, um, access management on platforms is usually only available for enterprise packages. And these communities are not going to be buying enterprise packages on, on different platforms. So that's not the, that's not going to work. So we needed to formulate something that's that's better than that. And kind of the goal, we realized like, oh yeah, everything comes down to access management, at least from our perspective. And kind of the goal became to build the most stable and open infrastructure for access management and the best and most easy to use uh, um, application on top of it. So that came to being. And then we develop more and more values about how this is going to be better than Web2. And a lot of my friends and family, when I told them what we're going to do, 
they like asked me like, okay, but how is this better than, than what we're doing right now and about and to, and there's a couple of reasons and they all contribute to the bigger Web3 vision and largely to what Guild is doing, which is, I know platform agnostic doesn't give you a lot of things when I say that word, uh, but it really means that you're not, you as an individual and the community as well, you're not bound to one platform, but can actually utilize different applications, different tools, different platforms individually and won't lose data, um, parts of your identity um, to be stuck on that platform. You won't lose it. You can keep it and your social network as well. So like this, this is kind of what platform agnostic means. And this is only available and only doable with not large monolithic structures, but something, an open infrastructure like what Guild is building. Um, apart from the platform agnostic part, a large conversation right now, which I fully agree with, is that your identity has more context um, outside of a singular community of platform as well. And so giving you back kind of the sovereignty to, to manage that and get access to things and take it with you anywhere and not lose your data along the way is super important and is not really doable in Web2 tech right now. And all of this inspired us to start thinking of a no-code tool that is actually like pretty difficult technology, but still super easily um, handleable. Is that a word? Uh, but it's super easy to handle it. and the way that requirements and rewards can, so requirements for access and then the rewards as in like what you get access to or what ability you get, you get to do, they're fully openly changeable and permissionlessly manageable. And so all of these can be fully custom to whatever a community feels like, which also sounds a little vague, but more like a tangible example is that recently or previously in Web2, Requirements usually look like as an email list, for example. Um, this is not the case anymore. It's like open data, so usually on the blockchain that the user has full control over and you can change it anytime, which is really, really interesting. And also the rewards can be plugged in like any other new application that comes out or your community feels like using. You can just plug that in and, and change the whole network of things that you're using. and and yeah, what comes into your platformless memberships of that community that you manage. It's pretty, pretty, pretty um, motivating to see that future. Yeah, I mean, everything that you're describing there, the usefulness of these tools and being able to like rely that the, you know, the, the tech side is being taken care of is, and is secure and stuff like that. I think you're seeing something of, you know, tangible evidence of a sort of um, a product market fit or community market fit kind of uh, feel um, with the many, many projects that are now like appear up on the Guild website that are all plugged in and using that. And you can, something that's so cool about this is Guild are tools that you can use in building your own community or token project or um, things like this, but also just as someone who's interested in crypto and projects, you can now go onto the Guild website and discover a vast array of, of DAOs and different projects and um, sort of the potential to start getting into quests and joining these spaces, I think, is one of the, the coolest parts of Guild. I agree. I really, really like it. I like how these communities started making up their own journeys, although Still, our most heavily used use case is most communities have NFTs as um, as their keys to the community, which is largely changing because communities now, well, luckily, well, partially thanks to our integrations as well, but you don't only have to rely on on-chain assets as, as requirements, as keys to your community, but you can also use off-chain data as well. So it's less financialized, which is super nice and more accessible and inclusive. You can also say people who have been in other communities or follow me on Twitter or both or follow all of the projects that I'm following 
or hold this fully off-chain verifiable credential can become part of my guild, part of my community. And you can also combine this with on-chain assets, of course, but to have more um, variability of what you can do and set as rules, I think it's really um, opening up a lot of creativity in people these days. Yeah, I I think that's a really interesting um, notion to observe the kind of the the financialization of some of these communities um, because essentially a year or two ago, like that was what was available was to create a token, like token-backed project yeah. and, and things like this and community and, um, and all that kind of thing. But yeah, having these alternate options and ways that you can simply bring people in or invite them in um, based on interactions or being part of a different community is like such a such a game changer um and really kind of shows the nature of the web3 space and ecosystem uh for what it is in in a way like a really interesting manifestation of like internet culture or the ability of people to kind of come together and and collaborate on stuff or play games together and stuff it's like kind of kind of amazing and again the guild website is so cool for this and for discovery and seeing so many different things that are going on um yeah i want to keep commenting on how how cool that collection of of uh of projects is i guess like an interesting one maybe i could ask you like what's an example of uh, a project that's up there on guild that's doing something you find interesting and creative in terms of how um you know they're opening uh access to their to their space I think one of my favorite ones is probably a lesser known project. It's called Anamura. And we've had them recently on one of our community events as well to talk about their projects because it's very interesting. They're not just a regular community. They're building this um, actually fun to play blockchain adjacent game. And how they use their guild is So they have their own little quest within the game, which gives you shells, which are essentially um, like your little in-game tokens. And how to use their guild is they combine the, well, first of all, the free entry guest pass version, which is just, you know, the openness of everybody being able to answer who has an Ethereum wallet. But also they, they use allow lists for people who have been on the mint list for you know, early partners, their early community and everybody and being able to get this list from from Guild directly. And they also have a bunch of different roles for the specific NFTs that come in the game as you move along the stages of the game, which I think is very interesting is how they incorporate these stages, these parts of the journey within their own game and reflect that in their Guild. It's, it's very very, very nice and very adjacent to or very aligned with what we're also trying to encourage a lot of communities to do is to create these onboarding quests and kind of these adventure journeys within the community to make onboarding fun again and make make participating in a community a little bit fun again. So with Guild as well, I mean, our own Guild, our own Guild community, we're also redesigning our whole community strategy this way too always have another layer to discover and they're not necessarily well none of them are actually by buying an nft but some other little side project and little um contribution that you can do like completing a little learning um course on the 101 and getting your badge for free um or you know just a bunch of little cute little tasks that you can do and create this flow this journey this kind of copying what we already do on the internet which is we just participate based on interest and and what sparks our curiosity and we just do these things participate enter group chats leave group chats discover new projects follow new projects and like kind of um what you already innately do on the internet i think bringing that and emphasizing that joy of discovery um within a community as well is very beautiful and we're trying to do more of that because that's kind of the nature of the internet and, and crypto communities are na- internet native communities. So we can definitely double down on this um, this valuable little 
uh, community hack that you can, we can do to make it even better to to provide value for each other in there. So, oh yeah, not to mention that you can create these very safe spaces where conversations can be extremely niche and still provide a lot of value for people who made their way there. So you can create such deep spaces within the community. Like you, you could have like a general layer, you could have like different languages within that. You could also have like a little bit more um, deeper for people who are might be interested in contributing or just want to vibe with you every week and come to every of your events. But you can like cut or carve these paths into like really, really small, even like five, 15 people, little chat groups that you really have to try and and follow your curiosity to find these spaces. And so with this, we can guarantee it a little bit better that you'll find valuable conversations and actual enjoyment and kind of um, cultivate more intimacy and honesty within these smaller groups than what you would do in like a 30,000 general chat, for example, where people don't really, well, valuable conversations get lost really easily, especially in the case of Discord, but also you can, can't really be that open and honest in a weird way. Like it's more like a megaphone type of situation where you just scream something in the open space and maybe somebody answers. But in the case of creating these smaller spaces, it's not the case. You can know every single person who's in there you can welcome new members. You, yeah, it's it's a it's a magical little experience. I would encourage more people to dig into that. Um, we'll introduce that in two weeks in the beginning of November in our own community. We've been working really hard and planning that out because it turns out it's actually like not easy to to make this a foolproof system and make sure that you have all information in place so that people don't feel lost. And it's kind of it's kind of a a think tank situation you have to think this really really through but i think it's going to be very nice and a very good valuable space to, to cultivate moving forward just keeping the quests alive i'm also interested to ask you about like um this new wave of integrations and stuff coming to gilbert do you feel like we've touched upon like the core thing of it well enough or is there more that you would like to that you think we should I think we could go back to it because I feel like giving more tangible examples of of what communities actually reuse right now would be pretty valuable. So we can talk a little bit more about that. Um, so like core of Guild offering is that we majorly have one like a primitive that we made up that makes sense and how like everything within Guild works right now and moving forward, that's the structure that we're keeping. Um, is requirements which are on-chain or off-chain like NFTs or allow lists or you know it could be anything um, and roles which is fully custom to every community you could have only one of it which is like a guest pass or you could have like a, this full complicated system of hundreds of roles that go deeper and deeper into different um, tangents within the community or you know, just have something pretty normal like uh, a guest pass and an NFT role and, you know, stuff like that, get creative. And the third one is rewards, which is essentially what you get access to or what ability can you do. So think access as in chat groups, as in parts of games, parts of metaverses, to uh, documents in Google Workspace, and abilities like claiming an NFT or participating in governance or voting and stuff like that. So there's a lot of juice in there. And that's kind of the how the core of Guild works and about the integration. So these and this whole system becomes truly invaluable through our integrations because that is actually... We can talk about interoperability, but this is like actually doing it on our front, which is integrating anything that communities use and essentially well we started with integrating the blockchain as a data source and just pulling everything off of the blockchain uh, that is useful data for building these requirements um, even contract states now which is any um, data that is in a contract so you can use staked tokens or lp tokens even as as requirements which is pretty sick in my opinion, even as a non-technical person. Um, but yeah, we do 
have already like 15 or something requirement integrations and we have 40 more integrations coming this year. So that is a very big network of, of uh, combinations that you can do both on the requirement and the reward side. So to give a little bit of examples of what you could do with this is that if you're in Discord like most communities and you're also using other platforms like Twitter, uh, some credentialing reputation projects that are out there and you don't have to manually assign these roles uh, and access with all these projects, you can do this by simply having this role system already set up within your guild and then that happens automatically along these platforms, which is a lot of burden, especially how communities grow to from hundreds to thousands and then tens of thousands. This is this is a very big workload off of, of everyone and makes the user experience much smoother across apps and on the internet. And kind of to make make sense, guild means the entirety of a community and it is not confined to the rules of, of one platform. It's confined to the rules of what you made up and what you make up in your guild. So if you'd like to start using a new community tool, for example, or to play a game in the metaverse or try a Web3 style new Discord competitor, transition costs would be absolutely minimal because of this. And the community setup and access rules stay exactly the same as you designed it and you can update it anytime as well. So does that make sense if like you have one space to to coordinate all of this and then it works perfectly well with all the other applications as well. So for example, if you'd like to give access to an Excel spreadsheet, Excel spread, oh, sorry, I'm struggling with the S's there. Yeah. The Excel spreadsheet in your Google workspace, uh, only to the people who are on a loyal list or hold a specific badge, like for example, your team or investors, you don't only get the link that you share, which is not secure at all, but actually you manage access to the whole document with a manual setup. This is also doable, but very slow. And yeah, so this is automating that process and um, makes contribution and, and the whole workflow within the community much more nice and automated and involving, I guess. So these are more like tangible examples of how it works. I, I am curious to ask you about the new integration um, that's coming with Autospace, just as one one example, what does that interplay look like between Autospace and Guild uh, for a user? What can communities uh, kind of use use those tools for? So I think Autospace is still closed beta, um, so not a lot of communities still can use this feature. But we still really wanted to give the opportunity to be ready for when they they flood other space it's a really cool project that's they do non-transferable badges for kind of like contributors so you can issue these um, badges based on any type form of contribution um, to your members of your community and so within guild how that looks like is we have this integration as a requirement that all the outer space badges that you create on their platform are now usable for access anywhere. And they have this extra utility of not only giving you this bash system and and kind of marking your, your members based on that, but also providing the membership players within that and giving more utility of, of what else you can use this batch for. So for example, you could use this batch that you've given out for, let's say all of the core team and you can not only use this to commemorate that they're the core team or they have been the core team in this season or this year, you can also use this access so that only the core team can access certain groups, get certain roles. Um, they can manage and moderate other members as well because they're that level of membership. But you can also create um, knowledge bases that they can, only they can access based on this badge automatically and gate essentially anything with, with the SDK with our, our, our code um, for them on your own website or your own uh, databases if you have something like that going on. Yeah, it's, it's super powerful. And um, 
I know Outer Space also has an aspect that kind of gets back to this notion of like uh, quests and and discovery that you were um, touching on earlier. Around it can also function as a sort of uh, a bit of an onboarding or an introductory experience for folks who are coming in and, and connecting, engaging with with a new com- community, and then kind of award badges based on having experienced those things as as you come in, or potentially um, selecting a working group or guild within a DAO that you're interested to uh, get in touch with or be a part of? Absolutely. Um, Both are pretty good examples of what you can do, actually. Yeah, excited about that. Um, Sorry, was it a question? (laughs) Oh, I guess sometimes I don't even ask a question. That's my bad. Um, I would love to uh, chat a little bit about, I I feel like you're, you're in a high a high kind of tier in terms of like joke DAO appreciation. You, know, you seem quite <laughs> yeah, actively yeah. engaged with it uh, on the internet and things like that. Um, the joke DAO yeah. Maxi uh, telegram group that popped up. Um, it's a good example, but um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to start like chatting about joke DAO in terms of, you know, what would be your uh, summation of, of what joke DAO represents as a, or offers kind of as a, as a product or uh, a framework as a tool? Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pretty big menace in JokeDAO. Funny how I got into it is just um, the founder of that project, David Phelps, I just usually really like what he's building. This is not the first little thing that I joined that he's doing. I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And it also started as like a Twitter competition. You could post jokes in comments on Twitter we would pick a moderator for that week who selects a few of those and then we could vote on them. And it was like a very difficult process, but it was super engaging. I really liked it. And it was also picked or showing you actual decentralized governance and how that could work. So funny enough, joke DAO sounds like a joke, but it's actually a pretty serious project. And um, two of my favorite things that it's doing is that it really gives you kind of an MVP or a very tangible experience about how decentralized governance should look like and could look like and what a button, like a bottom-up approach to governance actually feels like of fully getting input from everyone in the community um, and everybody has a chance to vote on it and participate, which is, I think, a very, very nice experience compared to token-vated voting where, you know, big whales or founders come in and they fully get to decide on, on what gets what decisions get to be made. This is an exact opposite approach and I really, really support it and like it. And the other thing, which I think is an even better narrative is providing a wider use case as well is surfacing data. So from the community this way, you can kind of gauge on any topic, what the community thinks about and what they'd like to build, what they'd like to do, what they think about, what they talk about. Um, So for example, there was a joke race um, where a person was suggesting that the community gives them uh, topics to write about because this is a very big creator that writes very good essays. And there were like, I think, 30 plus um, entries of topics that he could write about. And the community votes on them and it's voting event and they decide what's better Um, what they actually would like to see and so this way this creator got to have this very large input from the community about what they should write about what the community their community actually wants to see which I think is this largely very like extreme utility to know what your community actually wants it's crazy and not a lot of f2 things can offer this either so this having this fully you know done in this very open manner i think it's very valuable can you describe a little like what the actual participation in you know in the joked out group kind of functions like and stuff like that there's kind of a bit of game theory or kind of you know voting and and interesting dynamics that are going on which i think is another really interesting aspect of it yeah, so there's two major things to talk about. One is JokeDAO itself, which is developing this protocol and, and project, essentially. And then there's Joke Race, which is 
um, a different thing. So joke DAO is developing what we just talked about, this like very bottom-up governance mechanism and data surfacing tool for communities to get input from the community itself and every person in the community. Um, and the joke race itself, which is my 10, 15, 20 groups that I'm part of in Telegram that are somewhat around joke race, um, are about, which is a race that happens every Friday. It's usually in collaboration with the, with the Web3 project. Like this week, I think we're going to do a science science themed joke race with probably our lab or both. Um, and so the thing is that on Thursdays, we submit a joke on the platform, which is re in relation to this collaboration in some shape or form. And then on Friday, there's a vote. Oh, sorry. Before that, we get voting tokens every week um, for, oh, no, sorry, only the, so the collaboration projects members get voting tokens to be able to participate in the joke race with us as well. And then there's a voting event on Friday where we each have half, an, like what, there's a half an hour window globally where everybody at the same time gets to upvote or downvote an entry that we entered on Thursday. And we always make the rules a little different to spice it up for a long time, for like 15 weeks, the rules were the second joke wins, which is very interesting because you have to really work together with other people to, to make a joke second place. It's actually quite hard to, to psyops that situation. Um, but the game theory um, plays a part in, in, in joke race here and strategizing plays a lot of part. You have to know how many people are participating, how many entries are there, how many tokens are collectively held in the addresses of people that are participating right now. Um, which joke do you want to win? Um, what are the actual rules? So last week, our rules were a little bit more difficult. It was closest to 50,000 without going over. And there was an option to downvote as well. So that gives a very different approach to the whole game as opposed to just making the, the joke you want to win the second place. So it really, really, that's why I'm in part of, that's why I'm part of so many Telegram groups because you have to work together with other people and it forces you to collaborate, to form alliances, to strategize the whole thing so that you can make sure that you vote on the winning joke and it's very fun and really showcases governance in a fun way, but also while allowing you to like make friends, which is, and enemies. Oh, it's so nice. I love it. It's so chaotic every week. Um, it's great. Everybody should participate at least once. It's so fun. I'm making my friends come one of these Fridays, at least one Friday every week. I make one new friend try it. And I think recurring or like coming back rate is four out of 10, which I think is probably because of time difference um, or time zone differences, but it's usually at noon ET on Friday, if you guys want to join. It's really fun. And it's more fun when you get more tokens. So there's voting tokens and the more you participate, the more voting tokens you have. Um, and that gives you more leverage to, to play the game. It's very interesting conceptually, like communities or groups that are built up around, like it is inherently a game in, in itself. And um, yeah, curious to think about how other communities can kind of, um, you know, bring more playfulness to notions of governance or surfacing ideas or serious suggestions even, um, but sort of turning it into, uh, into a game. I think there's this theory that the whole internet is just an infinite game machine, isn't there? So it's very aligned with what we've been talking about, these like internet journeys and quests that we already do and kind of joke though and like how gamified it can be is also giving us this feeling. So I feel like that's one of our conclusions, or at least that was one of my conclusions this year is to... Um, I don't necessarily believe in, in saying we should gamify everything, but this enjoyment of participation based on interest and like how individuals can find themselves in communities and find friends this way, like how I'm running a piece about this with my friend LDF. We fully met this way for like a year. We've been 
doing our own little internet journeys, but constantly we keep running into each other in like extremely little group chats, like group chats that are just starting out with like supporting a few other founders. It's like 20 people and we keep running into each other in all different places. And you get a lot of context on on the people that you keep running into because you care about the same things apparently and have very similar social networks. And maybe there's something more to explore there. And that's what happened with us too. But I think that part of the internet is just truly beautiful. And I want to help people and imp- imp- kind of um, inspire people to do that more and discover more like true connections this way without like you don't have to commit you know, to a friendship, but still finding people that have similar interests and curiosities in you is is a very beautiful thing. And then who knows what can happen with that relationship moving forward. Maybe if you want to co-found something, you already have a person to reach out to, or you just need to talk to somebody or need advice on something. There you go. So it's, it's very beautiful. I think how the internet's set up this way, we just have to establish these spaces to be able to uh, experience this gift that it has for us. Yeah. And maybe these ideas that you're touching on there, it's almost like maybe that's more about what Web3 Social is all about. It's not just about creating a new version of, of Twitter or just a new thing. And, you know, it's uh, it's it's not a centralized platform. And then that's the, it, it's more these completely new and novel experiences and um yeah being able to design for a community and all that kind of stuff and meet people because there is a feeling of of folks wanting to go and explore new spaces now and if the internet is an infinite you know game or infinite game machine and and stuff like that like there's clearly an appetite among folks to play different games so many of them are like collaboration games uh, as well it's like Maybe we inherently want to spend our time online a little more conducively, like, you know, um, yeah, so it's sort of a a deeper connection or resonance compared to just, you know, being on, on your traditional social networks and stuff. Yeah. Like how much better it is that you're, instead of just like mindlessly scrolling Twitter, have like five other little groups that you actually like the conversations in. Um, I definitely have a few of those where you're like, it's not draining you to to look at content there, but it's actually really valuable for you to participate in these conversations. And that's like way more meaningful way to contribute to the internet and exist with the internet and make use of it. And I also think that people have this very large incentive and need to be um, involved and and interested and feeling like they know something that other people don't. And if you can provide this um, like insider feeling and and this, yeah, just like feeling of being early, it can go a really long way. Even if you're early on a GM or if you're early on just being in a group earlier than like 30 other people, like it just gives you some little like good feelings for a few days. That's also nice, you know, like in the depths, we're in the depths of a bear. Every valuable conversation, every valuable space is 10x better than it would be in a, in a big juicy market situation. It's better for mental health too, to have deeper connections and valuable combos going. Yeah, definitely. Like perhaps especially, um, if folks are, are sort of in the environment or the situation as you described many years ago when you were first getting into crypto and Ethereum and, and stuff like that uh, and you didn't have many folks around you that were into that stuff and, and you know, there's always uh, people new to the space where that's the experience that they're having um, and being able to run into sort of like-minded folks who are also interested and curious about that is is such a big thing. Absolutely. And I think having like one buddy that helps you along with that, or you just don't feel as alone on that on your journey, I think that helps so much in just sticking to it. Cause I feel like it's so worth it to hold on your onboarding and hold on your um, learning journey, learning curve in towards the web three things. Um, de- depends on where you're going here, but 
having at least one person who keeps you accountable, who helps you if you get lost, who you can pick their brains about, oh, do you think this is a scam? Or should I send my seed phrase to this message that sent me a link and asked for my seed phrase? Like if you can ask somebody that, especially like early days, it, it's not evident. And if you have one person who's doing the same things as you, it's so much better. So yeah, I would, I would definitely like, it's, you know, there's a reason why body system exists and body systems exist. Um, it's, uh, it's very valuable to not feel alone. On, on this idea, um, you know, with, with your perspective on, on the space now, what would be a few uh, communities or outlets or publications that you would suggest uh, that new entrants getting curious about Web3 should check into for sort of, you know, reliably, um, you know, high, high quality reportage or, you know, connection with a, a space that helps folks uh, to kind of get up to speed on what's happening? Ooh, there's quite a few. Um, let me pull up my reading list too, but I definitely would suggest, um, I also did that quite a bit when I was in my entry phases. Um, I know it, for Web3 folks, this is going to sound crazy, but Binance has a really good like collection of, um, like kind of like Urban Dictionary, but for Web3 and crypto things. Um, I, I forgot what it's called, but it's like fully like a, a book, like a research center of what this phrase means and pretty good explanations on that. I used a lot in like my very early crypto days. Um, I would also very recommend following the Forefront newsletter. If you're interested in more social things, they are, I think they do it every Tuesday. Uh, it's pretty good to follow that along. Also, on more social things. The Boys Club newsletter is also pretty interesting. Um, and the quite a few sub, sub stacks that I could recommend that are, are really nice um, and very thought provoking, but those are like more, um, not the entry level type of, of thinking things. They're more the what's the future type of situations. Yeah, that's when it, that's when it gets really good when you kind of yeah. you're past the sort of initial phase and you're up to the like big ideas and the you know what we um the giga brain kind of stuff yeah when you spicy. when you're not you're not wondering what a you know a cold wallet is anymore and you get to think about what the like the potential future of of social crypto and social networks and publishing and media and communications and organizations is i think that's like that's where it gets interesting and i'm very lucky to be able to do that on a daily basis i really really like it yeah it it, it feels like and i think it's abundantly true that like guild is sitting right at the nexus of uh, of all those things in so many different communities and, and and projects and all that kind of stuff and unlocking all these things um it's kind of blowing my mind to to hear that you're dropping like dozens of of integrations in the near future and the kind of what's going to be possible there. Um, I suppose like in a, in a meta way, like for this podcast, I'm intending to kind of build an interesting community and make use of some of these tools and kind of you know experiment and and play with that. And certainly won't be the only sort of you know uh, use case and thing that's popping up in the space. Thank you. I hope so. And yeah, for for UFO itself, I think we talked about this uh, privately before, but Guild's going to be pretty useful. Um, but also I would, what we kind of what we covered with Joke as well, just how, like, for example, the UFO community could vote on what questions get asked, which guest or what guests do we have on board the next season in UFO or you know, like all these different types of, you can go even more granular to that if you'd like, but it's a very good way of, of involvement and engagement. And I'd highly recommend using that too. And it works really well in alignment with, with Guild anyway. So composability. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on uh, UFO. Super appreciate it. And, um, for, for anyone listening along, where would you suggest that they go online to kind of connect with Guild and kind of explore that world and, you know, uh, consider uh, using those tools in what they're building? 
Um, you could either just go on our Twitter. We post all of our new features there or get into our guild, our community, which is getting juicier and juicier every week um, and more fun to be in. It's guild.xyz slash our guild or just on our guild.xyz website. You can find our guild. It's pretty up on the top because it's, I think, the second largest probably or third uh, of all fourth oh no fifth now wow okay so yeah <laughs> you can you can get into our guild as well follow us along and participate and ask questions and and get involved thank you again to Reka for coming on ufo i really enjoyed this conversation and this episode to get started with guild go and check out their explore page to discover a vast realm of exciting DAOs and projects in motion uh, it's available in the show notes and thanks to our sponsors who made this episode possible. To get started with Zerion and create your new crypto wallet, head to zerion.io. To join the Lens ecosystem and explore the future of Web3 social, be active around UFO, come and engage with us. Subscribe and collect our content NFTs at ufoclub.lens. This is Nick Collins, signing off from UFO.